title of the message here is, Where is God in Our Storms? And so if you're new to church, this is what you're going to get. You're going to get at the end of this, or everybody actually, something that can help you now and can help you for the rest of your life. And what you're going to discover is this, is where is God and what is God doing in the midst of our storms? What is God doing in the midst of our storms? So we have message notes for you. The reason we have these, so these notes actually, I don't think I've ever told you this, but this is personal for me, why we do this. I'm going to tell you why, why we do this. Because for years, I was just like you. I'm sitting in church, and I get in my car, and I go home. And I can remember there were times where I would think like, now, what was he talking about again? Like, what? You know what I'm talking I hope you don't know what I'm talking about. And so uh, that you don't think that when you leave here. But I would think that. I would wonder, like, now, now what was the message about again? And I remember sometimes telling my wife, I said, I said, Kirsten, I'm embarrassed to tell you this. I didn't even know what he talked about today. I didn't even know what the message was on. And so I don't want you to ever do that. I want you to always be able to go home and say, yeah, somebody asks you, your Facebook friends or something, you can show them right here. Here's the message, and there's fill in the blanks if you want extra credit and a gold star in heaven. But uh, so, you know, so all the A students are going to use their notes today. No pressure on everybody else, but the A students will be using their notes. So that's where that comes from. So anyways, here's an introduction to Jonah. God spoke to Jonah and said, Jonah, here's what I want you to do. I want you to go to Nineveh there. And Jonah disobeys God. Goes the opposite direction as far as he can go. God says, Jonah, I want you, I want you to go to Nineveh and tell them that I've seen their behavior and I want you to talk to them for me. Jonah's like, there's no way, game over. I'm in the eject button. I'm out of here. I want nothing to do with this assignment here and runs in exactly the opposite direction there. And so... But aren't you glad the story doesn't end there? Come on, is anybody glad the story doesn't end there? What if that was end of story? That he goes in the opposite direction and God's like, okay, I'm, I'm done with Jonah, I'll find another problem. No, it's not the end of the story there. Not the end of the story. So if you're new to church, you're new to the Christian faith here, as you study the Bible, you see over and over again, the story doesn't end with your screw-ups. The story doesn't end when you go in the opposite direction. The story doesn't end when you're, when you're running from God. The story of the Bible is this, that God is a God who's always in pursuit of you in the middle of your screw-ups, in the middle of your disobedience, in the middle of your running from God there. And so in your notes there and on the screens you can see here, the Bible says, but Jonah got up and went in the opposite direction. So was God neutral? Did God not have a response? Did God just sit back? Verse 4, but the Lord hurled or threw a powerful wind. So the story's not ending there with Jonah running. God doesn't let Jonah's story end on failure, end on his mess up there. So God never lets you end your story there. So in your notes, it says that the story does not end with Jonah running. Our story always continues with God's pursuit of us in the middle of our going in the opposite direction. That's awesome. See, that's what God is like here. God is a God who pursues you even when you're not pursuing him. So if we could just pause for a moment, if we could just pause for a moment and maybe recalibrate our understanding of who God is. Because sometimes people think this way. They think, oh God, okay, God's a God, if you get God riled up and you get God ticked off, man, God's going to stick it to you there. But that's not how God operates. That's not how God rolls. We can see here in the story that God is a God who is good. He's so good. 
and he's so gracious. And his love for Jonah, it's incomprehensible. I think everyone in this room, you'd have been done with Jonah if you were God. But God here, his grace is so great. So this, this story shows what the heart of God is like. That God is a God that pursues you regardless of your journey there. And so, so as we unpack this, some of, as we do it, some of you are going to realize, like, wow, like that's what God is like, and that's what God did. And so we're going to get a better understanding of God. So we're going to talk about storms here. And we're going to talk about what is God doing in the storms. So there are different types of storms that you face, right? Different types of storms you face. So God is not the author of every kind of storm. See, there's some storms that, are, that I call self-inflicted storms here. You brought that storm onto yourself there. And so some people here, you would say, if I could get a dollar for every self-inflicted storm, I could probably retire. Come on, somebody. Or maybe you feel like, <laughs> or maybe you feel like if your neighbor sitting next to you could get it, if you want to raise their hand up, could get a dollar for every st- uh, storm they've inflicted upon themselves, they could retire also. So I was going to give you, I, I'm close to that category, so many self-inflicted storms. I'm just going to tell you one quick storm where I took stupidity to new levels. Like you've heard stupid, I was stupid on steroids, okay? Uh, uh, so, and, and there's been elements of that, I feel like, in chapters of my life. So anyway, so I'm a young guy, I'm in school there, and one of the things we used to do back in the day was called SWAT outs. I'm telling you, you could SWAT somebody out, because I challenge you to SWAT out, and you go in the locker room in front of the whole, the whole school that wanted to be there, and you got to take a SWAT with a big old wooden paddle and just drill somebody as hard as you could, about that thick with holes in it, you could do a SWAT out. And so it was kind of a thing, and if, if you were kind of one of the guys, you know, you'd challenge somebody to a SWAT out. So at that time, I was about 80 or 90 pounds dripping wet, and I challenged a guy to a SWAT out named Araho. Baby, it was over. Araho. So Araho was the biggest kid in the school. He had a full beard in eighth grade. He was that kid. He was a man-child. He was a man-child. And I don't know what got into me. Like I said, just stupid and steroids. So I said, Araho, you want to you have a swat out? And he looked at me like, hey, you, you're crazy. And I says, yeah, I want to have a swat out, you know. And so Araho accepted my invitation. We did a swat out. So I hit Araujo, and it was like I won the Super Bowl. I mean, the place went crazy. They were screaming. And Araujo was just like, looked at me like, are you kidding me? It was like, uh, oh, no, I'm dead meat. Like, I'm dead meat. So you had to bend over like this. You had to bend over all the way like that. And so I bent over, and Araujo hit me. And, like, I just went, I, like, like went out. And so, uh, and I, I, I couldn't sit for weeks. Like, in school, I couldn't sit for weeks. And so there are those self-inflicted storms. You know what I'm talking about? Self-inflicted storms. Don't look at me like that. You've got an Araujo in your life, too. Come on, you've got an Araujo in your life, too. You've done stupid things like that, too, where you think, how stupid could I be? So, but they're just self-inflicted. Not every storm is from God. Then there's storms, then there's storms that I call them proximity storms. Proximity storms. So like all the sailors on the boat here, it's a proximity storm. You're experiencing a storm because someone else's drama, someone else's drama is in leaking over into your life. It is a proximity storm. A storm that you really didn't have anything to do with it, but it was someone else that brought that storm upon you. 
could have been a relationship, someone in your, in your family. But there are proximity storms that many of us have had there. And so someone's choices, someone's ignorance, someone's disobedience there. This brings a storm into your life like the story that we have here. And then there's what I call broken world storms. Broken world storms. And that's a storm that is because of just sin and brokenness in the world that you experience. And they're unavoidable. They're inescapable there. Uh, the disease and crippling accidents and death of loved ones, and family problems and emotional problems and relational problems and financial problems there. And you lose your job or there's the cancer, the, the divorce or someone betrays you. There are problems that we face, storms that are just broken world storms. And lastly, then there are God-directed storms. The last ones here. And this one here is God-directed. And so we see then there, there, God sends the wind, and so just think of deadliest catch, like deadliest catch. So the tough guys, the pros, stressed out, they're freaked out, and so they call on their gods, their little g gods there. And of course, their little g gods can do nothing for them. Their prayers are not working here, so they do all the things you would do, throwing things overboard. They're in full survival mode. Sir, they know they're going to die here. And where is Jonah but sleeping down the, in, the, in the decks there, the bottom of the deck? And so verse 6, if you want to look at the screen, says this. So the captain went down after him and said this, How can you sleep at this time? He shouted, Get up and pray to your God. Maybe uh, he will pay attention to us and spare our lives. So he says, Get up. And interesting, it's the same words, the exact same words that God spoke to Jonah there through uh, uh, to the prophet there when he said, get up and go to Nineveh. And now he's being reminded by a pagan prophet of what God told him to do, to get up again. Exactly the same Hebrew words there. And my question to us is this, could it be, could it just be that God will use pagans, that God would use anything, God can use anybody to get your attention when you're going in the opposite direction of what God has destined and purposed for your life there. And so look what happens next in verse 7. Then the crew cast lots, that's dice, to see which of them, Old Testament uh, dice, which of them had offended the gods, little g gods, caused a terrible storm. And when they did this, the lots identified Joseph as the culprit. Which tells me this, that God could even use dice in our life. God is a God that could even use dice. He's sovereign, and so don't recommend this. This is not descript- This is just descriptive. Talking about what Jonah did here, this is not encouraging any of us to, you don't know what to do this week, so you roll the dice. That is not what it's saying. This is not, not prescriptive of what we're to do. Just describing what happened in the story here. But God is in control. So verse 8. So the sailors talk to Jonah, and they say, why is this awful storm come down on us? They demanded, and who are you? Now, this is important. Who are you, and what is your line of work? What country are you from? What's your nationality? So what they're doing is this. They begin to remind Jonah of his identity. Remind Jonah where he's come from. So now God is using the sailors there to help remind him how far he's gone from God. Verse 9, Jonah answered, I'm a Hebrew, and I worship God, the God of heaven, who made the sea and land. So they're freaked out now, thinking like, this is the God that's causing this storm. 
But God uses the sailors to remind Jonah who he is, to remind Jonah his identity in the midst of his running in the opposite direction. So Jonah now is coming to the reality, being reminded, my, my identity, it's a Godward identity. Like I'm going in the opposite direction and I'm running from God, but I'm a Hebrew and I worship God. So he's being reminded that I have this Godward identity and perhaps what am I doing? So in your notes there, when a Christ follower walks in the opposite direction of God's desire, we're walking away from who God has declared us to be. You're walking away from who you are, from who you've been declared to be. So it's more than just the isolated incident. This affects the whole of your life there. And so now the sailors are terrified. Jonah, Jonah worships the God of the sea. Again, uh, they went to their little gods there. But by the way, if you're new to church, if you're new to church here, take note of this verse because of this. This is how you become a Christ follower, right here. This is how you become a Christ follower. You stop calling out to your, to your little G gods, and you begin to call out to big G God, Jesus here. That's what they're doing. Verse 14, watch what it says. They cried out now, not little G, now to the Lord. Big G God, Jonah's God. Oh Lord, they pleaded, don't make us die for this man's sin. And don't hold us responsible for his death. Oh Lord. See, they're recognizing this is, this is, this is not Amway. This is Yahweh. This is God here. And so, big G God. And his power immediately changes their, their situations there. And so, uh, if, you're, if you want to know God, this is how you do it. You begin to call upon God. The Bible says, call upon the name of the Lord and you'll be saved. It is with our mouth that we make confession unto salvation. And so verse 14. Then they cried out to God, Jonah's God. And they pleaded and said, uh, you've sent this storm for, his, for your own good reasons. And now we're going to close with this. The chapter ends with this verse. This is awesome. The Lord appointed a great fish to swallow Jonah. And Jonah was inside the fish for three days and three nights. So notice this. God made an appointment with the fish. But God doesn't stop there. God makes multiple appointments through the book of Jonah here that I want us to see that here. So four or five times, God is making appointments to help Jonah to get back in the right direction. And it shows this. Watch. It shows this. When we're going in the opposite direction, God is constantly making appointments, okay, constantly constantly orchestrating events there to help us turn back to him. So where is God in our storms? And what is the purpose of storms? What is God doing? So we have five takeaways in your notes there. Five takeaways, and we're going to go through them fairly quick here. Number one is this. God is constantly making appointments with us, watch, to get us to be with him. To get us to be with him. God is constantly orchestrating to pull us back to himself. And so... God made an appointment there. The first uh, verse there, I'm sorry, um, a couple verses into it, verse four, where God sends a storm. God made an appointment. God appointed that storm. God appoints a fish. God appoints a captain. God uses the dice there. God is using thing after thing there to get a hold of Jonah here. And so this is how God was, was working in his life there. And then the Lord appoints, finally, a great fish here. 
All that to say this, watch. God has more ways of chasing you down than you have ways of running away. That's the point. God has more ways to chase you down than you have ways of running from God. So in your notes there, God always has more ways to come after you and to pursue you than we have ways of running from him. And so God is going after Jonah, watch, not to hurt Jonah, but to heal Jonah from all his running away. That's what God is like there. See, God pursues you not to hurt you. It's not about that, but to heal you. And so you're in the notes there, the third point is God pursues us not to harm us from all the times we've walked away, but to heal us from all of our walking away. And so perhaps you're in a storm of your own making here this morning, and maybe you feel like Jonah, and you feel like, like Jonah that I'm alive, but it doesn't feel very good. Maybe you feel like you're, you're compressed, like Jonah, and you're in a, in a difficult, difficult place there. And it is, I would call it like, a great fish moment there. Where Jonah, watch, this is so important. This is so important. Do you think Jonah felt like he was being rescued from God? Or rescued by God? Do you think he he thought, I'm being rescued by God? Do you think Jonah thought that he was being rescued by God when he's thrown into the water? Do you think Jonah, when when he's dog paddling or whatever there, or swimming, do you think that Jonah thought, yeah, I'm going to be rescued by God? When he sees the whale there, or whatever, the great fish, going to be swallowed, do you think, oh, I'm being rescued by God? Or do you think he thought, this is it, and it's over for me? So one of the things we need to remember in the midst of a storm there is God is pursuing you, and this is not it. And God God is not abandoning you. See, God is not punishing you. All the punishment happened at the cross. You were not punished as his child. See, I have three boys, and there were many times my boys, when we went out to, to restaurants to eat, I mean, they went off. and They embarrassed me. There were times I had to take them into the bathroom. So that's just one of them would scream. I just would scream. And I would sit in the bathroom with my son, and my wife would eat dinner, and then I would walk out, give her my one son, and then she would walk in the bathroom, and she would eat, and then I would eat. I'm, do you think they got disciplined? Or he got, yeah, he did. Now, but do you think if I'm sitting next to somebody else, and I see somebody else's table, and I see their kids going off and throwing forks, and uh, like this one time I was having um, lunch with my buddy, uh, not to mention any names, but Dr. Ken Williams. And so Dr. Williams' son, his little kid has a little kitty burger, throws his kitty burger right across the, to the next table there. And these ladies are happy up-look ladies. They've got their hats on and everything. The little burger goes flying right by them. And so, I'm not kidding. This is, this is a true story. And so uh, they're like looking at me, and then the whole restaurant, he screamed, then the whole restaurant, do you think I corrected his kid? Or do you think I let him deal with his kid? Not my kid. Like, uh, 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 not my responsibility. I'm not dealing with your kid. My, my kid's yes. So when God deals with you, it just shows you that you are his kid. The only thing you want to worry about is if he would never deal with you. He'd never pursue you. But he doesn't punish you there. And so uh, your fourth point there, if you're experiencing a great fish moment, the moment here, we don't think of it this way, but recalibrate our minds. The moment's actually a gift from God. And it's not to ruin you, okay, but to restore you. That's the purpose of of the great fish moment there in Jonah's life. And so God steps in and he takes care of, of his kids, and he takes care of Jonah. And lastly is this. 
Lastly is this. In the midst of your journey there, in the midst of, of, of your life, and you're experiencing a storm, okay, God's not letting go of you. God is helping you let go of anything that's not of him. He's helping you let go of anything that is not of him. That's what God is like. So sometimes, as the band comes up, sometimes we need a, you may be in the midst of a storm there, but the storm is not evidence that God is letting go of you. The evidence of the storm is that God there, God there is helping you let go of things that you need to let go of. See, Jonah needed to let go of, of many things. He needed to surrender. And so I have been in many of these great fish moments where I felt God pressing in on me to help me so that I would just let go, let go. And one of those things was uh, my dream was to be a, um, to go to the nations and to, and to uh, um, some of you may know that, uh, that, that I'm, I'm trained in um, dentistry and oral surgery. And so I was going there to do clinics uh, with the people. And so when I was there and I got there, all of my instruments, about 75 instruments, about $10,000 instruments, uh, were, were stolen in um, Addis Ababa, Ethiopia. So I arrived there with a couple thousand people to see and nothing, had nothing to work with. And so, but I had this kind of thing inside me, and it was a little bit subtle, I think of this thing inside me where I was going to go and like God needed me and I was going to show up and I was going to do the, do the thing. And so uh, there, there was some, it was subtle, but there was some ego, I think, and there was some, some pride there. And, and God needed to show me that I actually don't need you. I actually don't need you. And so I arrived with no instruments. It was pretty traumatic. I'd been wanting to do it for years. Now I arrived, and, and the very things that I needed to work were gone. So somebody says to me, Rod, um, God has showed us that he just wants us to be instruments and not to worry about that we don't have any instruments. The team told me that. I didn't say anything, but I wasn't very happy with, with that, to hear that, because I thought, no, I'm the instrument, and, and I just need the instruments, but God had to remove something out of my life. And so what happened then, I didn't have any instruments, and I just, I'd been waiting for like a decade to do this. Now I didn't have any instruments. Like, I, felt, I was feeling like a failure already, and then I thought, well, we'll just go to the hospital anyways and we'll tour the clinics and all. And so we prayed for the people. I'm walking through and there's a guy dying of AIDS and there's people dying of AIDS all over. And I see a guy dying of AIDS and I, and I say, and, he, and, he, and he's trying to talk to me. And so rather than just walk by him through this hallway, I stopped and I look at him and, uh, and I have to get close to him. And he's just, he's just a skeleton with skin and he's on a mat uh, and he's going to die. And so I look at him and I say, um, can I do anything for you? Like, can I do it? And, and he says, water, water, just get me water. And I said, I'll get you water. Like, I can't do anything for the other people, but at least I can get a cup of water for like a dying man. And so, I'm, uh, so I, I walk around the hospital. I'm confident I'm going to get this guy some water. And I get my blue cup and I got a beat up old blue cup and and, uh, and, I, and I'll get you the water. I got, I got the cup, and I couldn't find water. It's a hospital. I, I couldn't find water. There's no running water. And I, and finally, I found a nurse, and I said, hey, I said, I'm Dr. Collins from America. I'm Dr. Collins from America. See, God's having to work this. I said, could you tell me, and I came here to help the people, could you tell me where the water is? And she says, um, No. 
I can't. I said, listen, I'm Dr. Collins from America, and you better tell me, you better tell me where the water is. And she said, um, doctor, the water will kill the patient. So I'm not going to tell you where the water is. And I demand, I said, tell me where the water is. She says, no. So I got my blue cup. I can't find water. And I, I go back to the guy and I said, sorry. I can't. They won't tell me where the water is. Maybe somebody else can find it, but I don't know where the water is. And so guy had to like take something out of Rod Collins. It wasn't about me. I had to experience like just these levels of where I just, I felt like such a failure, such a complete failure. I can't even, I mean, I have all my degrees and everything and I can't even give a cup of water to a dying man. And so God used it just to, just to break some stuff inside of me. But sometimes the storm that you find is that God wants to, to, to take something out of you and he'll do that. And so sometimes if it's a God and God directed storm, we need to ask what, like, what's the purpose of that storm? I'm going to pray and then we'll take the offering. So father, thank you for your goodness. Thank you for the story of Jonah. Thank you, father, that you, you don't let us sink because you want us to drown, but because you want to deliver us from everything that's not God. And father, when Jonah was, was, was there sinking, it was an ocean of mercy and an ocean of grace. And may we see, God, that you are unpeeling our grip from the things in this world that are not, not you and not of you and that you don't want to, to have resident within us. So, Father, do what only you can do. Bless this good faith offering. Thank you, Lord, for the sacrifice it represents and that, uh, what you're doing in this church. In Jesus' name, amen and amen.